This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 30. Greed, the Prosperity Gospel, and 666. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. The one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This, too, is futile. When good things increase, the ones who consume them multiply. What then is the profit to the owner, except to gaze at them with his eyes? The sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, CSB. the God podcast. This is your host Ree and today we're talking about 666, the prosperity gospel and greed. It's going to be a loaded episode but stay with me. Um, Before we jump into the actual topic, I do want to give a brief testimony as to how I got to this topic. I think it's important um, because growing our relationship with God is essential and it's crucial And I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know how to, and it's not really taught in the church. And so I wanted to take this time to show how this works and and how I got into this topic, um, because it, it it, it really paints the picture of how my relationship with Christ has grown over time in general and, and what that road has looked like. So I was doing a study on something completely unrelated. In fact, I was looking at things in Genesis and creation, um, and I was just kind of studying something that came into my mind, something that I wanted to know more about. It was a personal study, and I ended up looking up things related to that study. And as I was looking up things for that, I saw articles online that were tangentially related, and I ended up reading one of them And one of those articles had something at the bottom of it, which I'm going to read to you guys in a second. But that is what led to this study. And why I bring it up and why I think it's important is that a lot of us, um, if you just grow up in the church, you do the bare minimum when it comes to researching or when it comes to studying the word. Whatever is given to you by way of materials, it is a you know, a a quarterly that the church gives out or it's a, you know, what the pastor preaches each week or whatever, that's what you stick to. Um, And I've met many people who they cannot come up with Bible studies of their own or they don't try to, to study the word for themselves. And we as individuals should be just reading the word for ourselves. We should be just picking up the Bible and be like, oh, I think I want to read the book of James today or whatever. And then letting that move however the word makes it move sorry guys if you hear that that is bubbles announcing her presence on the podcast um so when i do things like this and i start reading just for myself 
often God will lead me to whatever topic it is that he wants me to learn about, not whatever it is that I was thinking I was trying to learn about. And I'm not, we don't just do this with the word. We also do this in school. For instance, if the teacher gives you an assignment, the teacher tells you to learn, a, you know, about whatever. Most of the time we don't go outside of the textbook that is given to us. We don't go out and start turning it into a research project. But that's how you become um, an expert on a topic. That's how you become deeply entrenched in it. And so when you set aside that time, and I'm, I'm not even telling you to do it every day. I mean, I think we should be in the word every day, but I'm not about to lie to y'all and say I do a personal Bible study every day because that would be a bald faced lie. Um, but at least once a week, I definitely set aside time to sit down and just start reading. And it has nothing to do with the Bible study that my young adult group puts on. It has nothing to do with our Sabbath school lesson. It has nothing to do with what the pastor is preaching about. It is literally just Cherie saying, hey God, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to learn more about you. And almost every single time, God turns that into something else. I always learn something that I was not prepared to learn, that I was not ready I, I wasn't seeking that particular information, but he will give you a word. So that is generally, sometimes that's how I get to the topics for the podcast. Sometimes it's not really what I planned. It's just I was doing a study and one thing led to another. Sometimes it is a little bit more planned than that. But here we are. So let me read you this little blurb from this article that I found um, and and then get into how it inspired today's podcast episode. Now, I'm not endorsing this ministry um, because I don't know anything about them. I just read this one article and liked it. Uh, I will still link the article on the page because give credit where credit is due. Um, I just wanted to make that disclaimer that I have no idea what else is on this website and what these people actually believe in. Um, but this is from the International Teaching Ministry of Douglas Jacobi, and in this particular article it says, As for the beast himself, I have come to believe that the number of the beast, 666, is a reference to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14. In this passage, 666 is the amount of gold that Solomon received annually. Any studied Jew would have recognized that Solomon was doing a number of things that God had said not to do. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses 16 and 17. Therefore, 666 would be a good metaphor for worldly wealth and for the love of the same. So back to Revelation, we find that the beast of greed for worldly wealth comes out of the people of the world. Then there arises a philosophy within God's people that it is okay to lust after the greed of the world. This would be the second beast, who is also a false prophet. He teaches salvation through wealth. Jesus' death and resurrection dealt a mortal wound to greed, or at least it should have been. The resurrection proves that the relative worthlessness of seeking salvation from wealth. Nevertheless, Greed survived and flourished among both the people of the world and among God's people until God throws greed into the lake of fire. Okay, so let's start with this concept of the beasts, because if you don't study prophecy, um, that probably is a little overwhelming and probably doesn't mean much to you. When I was a kid, I definitely thought that these beasts were like literal monsters coming up out of the water and out of the land. 
but that's not what's happening. Um, so revelation is a prophetic vision and throughout the word of God starting, I mean, even as early as, you know, Jacob, I mean, not Jacob, Joseph, um, there is a foundation of symbols being used in dreams or in visions to mean or represent something else. And, you know, in Daniel, they have like a lot of beasts and things. And the angel comes and explains to Daniel that these beasts are actually nations. And so when you look at Revelation, a lot of the symbolism that is mentioned in Revelation harkens back to the book of Daniel. So again, like I said, studying you will start to learn things and start to link things that you know you didn't really put together or that the church doesn't really talk about that often or at all so when you look at revelation there are these two beasts they're like nations or powers if you will um that rise during the end times and one of them comes out of the sea and the other one comes out of the land now the verse that I actually was looking for that led me down this path is about the sea. The sea represents peoples and nations. That verse is in Revelation chapter 17. Um, I think it's verse 15. Don't quote me on the exact verse, but it is in Revelation 17. And so essentially the angels are defining this and they're telling you that the sea, the waters are peoples and nations, very populous area. And within this article, they're linking this to the world, right? The the majority of people are of the world. And so the beast that comes out of the water is like a secular beast. It is a secular power. Um, but then the land represents God's people. There's a couple of things in Revelation that talk about um, the church going into the wilderness for protection if you see when Israel is brought out of Egypt, before they go to the, the promised land, they are in the wilderness. And there's something about like the land, the unpopulated, sparse land that typically is giving refuge to God's people. And so, you know, the author is pointing out the fact that the beast that rises up out of the land is called a false prophet. Its whole job is to deceive the people of God. And so here, this is where we start to get into this concept of deception, 666, the beasts, and all of these things, is that a lot of people have this idea that the beast is just this horrible person that is clearly evil. People have called uh, Hitler the Antichrist, they've called Obama the Antichrist, they've called Trump the Antichrist. Like people just love throwing it out there because they don't understand what it actually is or what it actually means. But the Antichrist is not an individual person. It is really more so a system of power or a system of worship. The war between good and evil has always been about worship. It's always been about who you are alleging, alleging? I don't think that's a word. Um, who you are declaring your allegiance to. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So are you declaring allegiance to God or are you declaring allegiance to Satan? That is, those are your choices. And um, so Satan, from the get-go, his goal was to be God. He wants people to worship him in place of God. And if you look up the Greek root of the word anti, um, it means in place of. 
So really it means in place of Christ. It's not really opposite of Christ. It's in place of Christ. So the beast power that comes up out of the earth is a false worship system. And we've been talking about that on the podcast pretty much all season about all of these traditions that have been creeping into the church, um, things from Catholicism, which is in fact an antichrist system because it is in place of the word of God. Um, and it does not follow the word of God. So it is one of those things that people start to cling to and they become religious about. And it actually has nothing to do with Yahweh, the most high God. It has to do with a man-made God and a man-made tradition. And so this is what the person is talking about. What is this power that's coming up that's deceiving the world? And he's linking it back to this to well he's linking the 666 part of it back to solomon and it's interesting because i had read the verse in in um kings uh before but i didn't really pay it that much attention but solomon really does receive 666 pieces of, of gold as a payment and uh solomon was doing some things that weren't necessarily of god he had way too many wives god actually told them um while they were in the wilderness that the king should not be taking all of these wives that you know they should that they shouldn't have all of these wives in general um he also talks about i think storing up treasures um and not getting you know boastful and prideful and interestingly right before we find out about this this um, money that's coming to solomon we see him visiting with the queen of sheba who has come to see all of his wealth and all of his splendor and so when i read the the excerpt from the article the first thing that popped into my mind was the prosperity gospel and the reason is because the prosperity gospel draws in so many people and a lot of people who are following um pastors or whatever they're following a prosperity gospel pastor, to be honest. A lot of people follow people like Joel Olstein, um, a Creflo Dollar, to certain extents, maybe a T.D. Jakes. Um, these are very well-known people, very well-known pastors, and people who are not attending like a local church will still, you know, listen to these people on TV or on the radio. They'll read their books. They're making millions of dollars off of people um, and they're spreading the ideology that it is okay to be greedy essentially um, they're not saying it like that they're making it seem very nice but a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and that's kind of how the devil operates he puts a lie in with the truth and so you have people who think that what God wants for you is the same thing that the world wants and that God's definition of success is the same as the world's definition of success. And I've seen a lot of people who attend pro prosperity gospel churches that become hyper focused on finances. And I'm not telling you that you should be completely financially illiterate. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. You should be financially literate. God does want us to be good stewards of our money. But there is a difference between being a good steward of your money and being greedy or being obsessed or being in love with money or letting it control your life, right? I don't know if you've ever done this exercise where they ask you to rank certain things. It's usually like God, family, work, um, friends, whatever. 
and they tell you to rank it like of how much how important it is and what you say is usually different than what you do um and what i'm talking about is when when money becomes number one in your actions and in your thoughts and that is where this is very interesting because the mark of the beast or the number 666 in the bible it talks about it being taken in the hand and in the forehead um people think that that's literal and that's how they start talking about the whole chip thing and all of that and i really don't understand the logic behind people thinking that the mark of the beast is a chip um, I do understand that that's how you could enforce certain things like not allowing people to buy or sell. But number one, there are a lot of people who don't believe in God that are still not going to let you put a chip in them. But number two, um, anybody can put a chip in anybody. Like, I mean, you could just walk up and assault me and stick me with a needle and a chip would be in me. Like, I don't have to consent to that. And so it seems very odd that God would damn you for all eternity over something that it's possible that you could be forced upon you and you know even if you say okay well god would understand he would know that you didn't choose that so he would pardon you well then what's the difference if i chose it and then i realized later and was like oh i shouldn't have done that then he should forgive me for it like it wouldn't be an unforgivable sin the mark of the beast is about mentality it's about worship it's about what you choose to do what you choose to entertain and um how you choose to live your life and how you choose to live your life will affect your bank account that is that's just facts okay period you can either side with the world or you can side with god and as we get closer and closer to that final day the world is increasingly less you know there's increasingly less overlap there's less middle ground for you to be straddling the fence and be like oh yeah so i'm i'm standing right here where i don't really have to declare a side that that middle ground is disappearing so you're either going to have to leap over and be with god or you're going to fall away and go with the world so when you are when you look at the concept of it being in your hand or being in your mind that's where i was trying to go with this is that it's your actions and your thoughts what you do and what you think um that is what we're looking at when we talk about the mark of the beast and when you look at the prosperity gospel and you look at greed, it makes a lot of sense because greed, it affects your thoughts and it affects your actions. One of the most disturbing conversations I had, um, I had with a fellow Christian and we were talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about, life goals, maybe something around that, that era. Um, and this person was talking about how they lived with their parents. They lived um, at home and the reason they lived at home was because they refused to rent and they didn't want to rent because renting is giving away your money and it's making somebody else rich and they thought that that was a waste of their money and they didn't want to do that they didn't want to participate in that system but their goal was to buy a duplex or a triplex and rent out the other units in the place that they buy bought in order to have their mortgage paid off and i was like wait so you as a christian are saying that there is a system that you would not participate in because you think it is a fruitless thing but you want to make money off of the same system by requiring other people to do that that is illogical guys that i mean it's well okay illogical is not the right word that is greed that is evil 
okay that is the love of money is the root of all evil in a nutshell because it's literally like if i were to go out and sell crack and be like i know that this hurts people and i know it's not good for you i would never take crack i don't want my kids taking crack i don't want my family members taking crack but i'm gonna sell it to you because i can get rich selling crack that's literally the same logic as saying i i would never rent from anybody but i'm going to build housing and cause people to rent to pay my bills like that's literally the mindset that this person had and i'm like this is the type of thing that we get into when we start to let money and the pursuit of wealth overshadow the kingdom and i've seen this a lot as we get closer and closer um you know as we dive into churches that are teaching these types of messages where people are like you know, sow a seed and, and reap your benefits and, and manifest your your uh, destiny and all this other stuff, which is a lot closer to new age um, religiousness than Christian uh, biblical teachings. But the problem is that people take these ideas or these concepts and they let them dig root in them. It becomes the foundation for their goals, their thoughts, their their ideas and their dreams. And this is where we start having a problem because it fuels our actions. And it's not just my friend that had that problem. I've had that problem. And for me, it wasn't based on the prosperity gospel. It was just based on letting myself get sucked into the worldly ideas of greed and wanting more, just wanting more. I was in high school and I had a summer job and you know, you're not supposed to compare paychecks with people, but we did because we were in high school and we really didn't care about social norms and what people tell you to do. So we noticed that nobody had made $300 on a check. Yes, that's how broke we were, but we were making like, some people were making like 250. Um, most people were making like 220 or something like that. But guys, we were working like 50 hours a week. I literally worked six days a week during the summer when I was working at this place. And I would come in, I would be in at like 9.45 or so, and I wouldn't leave until like 6, 6.30. And I would do this every day. And sometimes you're working outside in the heat and we would skip lunch because we wanted to get $300 on a check. And it's absolutely insane because number one, that's illegal. Um, back then we did not appreciate a good break. And of course the company was taking the money out of our check anyway because it's illegal for you to not take a break. And the people who were getting the, the slips where we checked in and out were just assuming that we forgot to clock in and out because it's illegal to not take a lunch. But we thought we were being slick by just working through that time and literally when i would get home i would crash i would be so wiped out because i had just worked the whole day and like i said i was working six days a week so on my day off i would literally just sleep all day or watch tv i didn't go anywhere i did not spend any of the money that summer i mean aside from paying for gas i did not spend the money i could even enjoy the money that's what happens when you let greed take over. You go head in and you just start doing things. Um, I, like you're preparing for a legacy or a future and that future might not even exist because you're not living in the present. You, 
when you start letting those things take higher priority, like I don't have time to read the Bible because I have three and four side hustles to build this, this legacy, then you have a problem. Okay. When you start looking at it and you're like, oh, I don't go to Bible study anymore because I'm too tired because I'm doing all of this work. You have a problem. I don't spend time with my family because I'm trying to get a college education fund settled for my kids. You have a problem. You should be spending time with your kids. Time is going to be way more important than that college education fund. And I tell you that as somebody who has a student loan, I don't want my student loan, but I much, much, much more value the time that I got to spend with my parents over had I not had that time and they had just paid off my entire education. These are the things that the devil uses to distract us. He shows us these nice things, these shiny things, and he has us chasing after the American dream when in all honesty, most of us, even at a middle-class existence, are living better than like most of the world. I was gonna throw in a statistic, but I don't know the exact statistic and I don't wanna be infactual. But a lot of people, their quality of life is way below the American middle-class standard. And so by being unsatisfied with this life and being like, oh, I have to do more, I have to get more wealth, like we put ourselves in positions where we have forgotten the primary objective. The primary objective is to save souls, to save our own soul, and to make it to the kingdom. All of the things, like I joke around with my friends, I tell them all the time, I have this Pinterest board of it's quote unquote my tenure plan. It is completely unrealistic. It has things probably like million dollar home style things in there. Um, but it's my, my 10 year plan of all of these beautiful things that I would love to have. Some of them I think God will give to me. Some of them I know God will not give to me. And guess what? It's there. I told God, you're, you said you went to heaven to prepare a place for me. Can you put some of these things in that place? My Pinterest board is not for here, guys. It is for there because here is going to go away. Here is going to be ransacked. Here is going to be destroyed. And I'm not trying to build a legacy on a planet that is rapidly deteriorating. That is not good logic. So one of the things I want to get into, I guess, right now and talking about that, 2020 should have said, it should have sent off alarm bells to the entire Christian community and say, wake up, wake up, things are happening, okay? When the Bible talks about birth pangs and just a taste of what's to come and it talks about all of these things that literally sound just like climate change, earthquakes in diverse places, storms, famines, pestilence, um, civil unrest, wars and rumors of wars, all of those things have been happening this year. We had murder hornets, we had locusts in Africa, we had earthquakes. There was a time where there were five hurricanes in the ocean. The entire West Coast is on fire. Trump killed some super important person in Iran and almost started a war and they're still mad about that. Um, the UAE and Bahrain are signing these strange agreements with Israel. Y'all, China is not happy with us. We're not necessarily happy with China. Lots going on there. There's tensions um, between like China and Taiwan, tensions between China and Hong Kong, uh, China and India. Y'all, there is a lot of stuff going on in the world. 
we just we just in 2020 like you know it's only it's not even october yet and all this stuff has been happening like this year okay and i ain't even talked about covid right there is so much going on and it's all prophesied in the word now some of y'all are probably like oh no here she go people have been saying the world was ending for thousands and thousands of years blah 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 yeah we've been in the end times literally since christ died and came back that the entire period is the end times that's the era right um but we're getting closer and closer to the final days now when that is i don't know i'm not sitting here saying it's tomorrow i'm not telling you it's two years from now or 10 years or 100 years i don't know but we are clearly getting closer and closer to that time and so when we focus on wealth and material things it seems very very ridiculous because there will be a time when you will have to choose this mark you will have to choose god or the world and if you are steadily going down this path of wealth you are going to choose the world there is no doubt about it because it's going to be in conflict with god the bible already tells us if you don't take the mark you can't buy or sell whether it is the mentality of greed or whether it's something completely different if you choose that you will not be able to buy or sell no matter how much wealth you build up for your family no matter how much generational wealth that your kids have no matter um, what properties you have bought because you're going to need to pay taxes on them you will not be able to maintain that because there will be a time where you will be asked to choose and you cannot serve god and money it's that simple and now more than ever i think is the time to be focused on our spirituality not the material and i say that because i know that when i focus on what god has set out for me first and foremost everything else will follow if I invest in my relationship with God, if I invest in my relationship with the people around me, if I invest in my community and making it a better place, everything else will follow. That makes more sense than investing in material things or, or setting goals and, and letting my idea of success being warped by material things. Because God takes care of us, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so the thing that I want to leave you with is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is the end of that chapter where it talks about the fact that you cannot serve both God and money. And it says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And if 2020 ain't taught me that, I don't know what will. So guys, that's what I want to leave you with today. I want you to think about your priorities and make sure that money is not capitalizing on the spot that God should be in. In the meantime, all the notes will be on the blog www.psalmstogod.com and I hope that you enjoyed and that this was beneficial and edifying for you. Drop me a message if you have any comments or thoughts or anything that you would like to hear next on the show. As always, thank you for tuning in and I will see you guys next week. Bye!